0: The importance of having people who are able to direct us and help us with this campaign can't be understated. They're amazing. But we've also connected with community groups, with Indigenous groups. It's a wonderful opportunity to bring community together to talk about the future.
1: Welcome to Rescope Radio. That was Denise Fitch nurse, mum, marine scientist, and unlikely leader of the Protect Ningaloo campaign, possibly the next big flashpoint in Australia as we continue to grapple with transitioning from the dominant extractive fossil fuel driven model of development to the next regenerative one. Denise is chair of the Cape Conservation Group, the local group at the heart of the Protect Ningaloo campaign. I caught up with her for a chat, sitting under a tree overlooking Exmouth Gulf just after the International Coral Reef Conference had wound up. Good news stories are thin on the ground when it comes to coral reefs, which makes Ningaloo's relatively healthy state all the more precious. For its own sake, for the community both local and global, and also as a highly symbolic reference point for the kind of world more and more people are clamouring to create. I'm talking to you now just after nightfall. At Cheela Plain Station in the spectacular Pilbara region of Western Australia. I hope to feature the brilliant work being done out here in our next podcast. But for now, joining me to talk about the meaning of place, the latest with the Protect Mingaloo campaign, the great opportunity in it, and what it means to the movement for change more broadly, here's Denise Fitch. Denise, thanks for joining me today on Rescape Radio.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: Can we start by you telling me what does this place mean to you?
0: This place um, for me is the silence, the red dirt, the colours of the landscape, the megafauna. I just love every part of it. It's it's the essence of um, peace and just brings me, grounds me being here.
1: Have you been here a long time?
0: Um, I've been coming here for probably 20 years but I've only lived here the last four and it is really exceptional. I love Mm. being here.
1: And how did you come to be involved in the conservation group?
0: I finished a marine science degree four years ago and came here with the intention of doing work with other researchers, just getting to know the place and um, seeing what there was to be looked at. Um, I got involved with the conservation group because they were doing some amazing work to try and conserve the land here and keep it, keep it um, in a good state so that we could enjoy it um, and they're a terrific group of people.
1: And how did this sub-C7 proposal come to the attention of the group?
0: We, we have a lady in our group, um, Jack, who uh, is constantly looking at developments that come up here. She's got her eye out there trying to make sure that we're aware of all of the things that go on because the north-west uh, shelf is very heavily um, uh, coping with the oil and gas or fossil fuel fossil industry so keeping an eye on developments whether they're on land or in the ocean is a big part of what our group does. And last year in about uh, September uh, we became aware that uh, there were changes to the scheme amendments for the Exmouth Gulf area by the Shire as well as a proposal by Subsea 7 to build down in the southern end of the Gulf, and these two things were heavily linked.
1: And what sort of process was there to come to those changes in the scheme? Um, was, it, was it particularly, um, is it reflective of what the community wants up here?
0: I don't know if I can answer for the whole community. Mm. I think what, what the conservation group sees as um, an issue is that the scheme amendments that the Shire are proposing are the complete the antithesis of what we've had in the past, uh, and they they are recommending development in the shadow of the World Heritage area. It's something that was never really ever contemplated, and uh, as an area that was actually recommended for protection at the same time as we got the World Heritage area, um, it seemed a the completely wrong decision, and one that only benefit would only benefit the company that was going to set up there. So.
1: But what's your take on the context for where that's come from? You know, you, you talk about it um, that it's a bit of a shock that it would even be contemplated. Where has it come from?
0: The the Pilbara has always had a sort of desperation to have. Uh, more jobs, uh, more things going for people who live here. Uh, th- but there seems to be, it's quite narrow-minded to constantly go back to oil and gas as the people who will supply us with the future. And uh, I think for a lot of people that mentality has changed, but for a very few it remains, and I think it's that that's driving it. It's very short-sighted very narrow minded really to to consider an area like this for that kind of heavy industrial development
1: and you were just pointing out to me that where we sit at the town beach here at exmouth offshore are three massive ships of woodside and they just ap- appeared is that how it happened
0: they they didn't just appear there there's always a uh, Woodside have got a lot of work going on here, Um, we were aware of a small section in one of their documents that suggested they may use the gulf, but they've always been very respectful of the area as as one that needs to be cared for uh, and not utilised because of the possible impacts to an area like that. It's interesting that uh, they've opted to do this and yes, as you say, the vessels are there. Uh, I, I would hope that, that that finishes quite soon because I, I, uh, I think the impacts to this area from heavy industry in the Gulf, particularly as an area that's used by humpback whales for calving and nursing by a whole lot of megafauna, really, manta rays, the, the dugong uh, migrations, and it's it really needs a lot more attention by government to be protected from impacts, even things like marine pests mm. that can cause quite a lot of uh, problems. Mm. So.
1: Yeah, so not just subsea 7 but that is the flashpoint we're dealing with. But in a sense, and what we were talking a bit before off-air was around, what is the vision for a different way that isn't just the reactive way that you're describing here of sticking with the same, I like the term fossil economy, actually. We'll run with that one. Not just fossil fuels, just that old mindset of what we've done is what we must continue to do. And as growth stumbles and industries dry up, let us push harder on that model. um, When we really need to shift models, so the sort of thinking that has there been much within the group or or is there a sort of a a buzz around this area around what what the new economy can should be
0: well we we certainly believe that this area is perfect for tourism education renewable energies we're talking the northwest there are so many elements in our favor I I think our group sees that the town has huge prospects for universities and for research and to develop a future from those things and at the same time give the area conservation, the protection it requires in order to support all of those things. It's a particularly, Exmouth Golf is a particularly beautiful spot. unusual, it's not your coral reef, it's not anything like that, but it supports an abundance of life and the mangrove systems are all part of that. So we do, we see it as an area that can sustain a better economy than the fossil fuel road, the heavy industry road, which ultimately benefits the big companies that set up. We may get some offshoots for a few jobs but yeah. we have a thriving tourism economy here and I th- we can build on it.
1: So the campaign and I'm sensing this is a really big flashpoint for not just this area but for the country as a whole. We've just seen James Price Point as a big campaign shifting direction up in the Kimberley. This may well be the next hot spot in Australia. So with this particular campaign how did it get up and running? What did you set about doing?
0: When we found out about this, I think the first thing that, that we were confronted with was that Subsea 7 had the ear of government, it had the ear of the Shire and the Chamber of Commerce and Industry and we were a small conservation group and we knew that things had progressed to a point where we needed to move very quickly uh, as a conservation group, we approached the Shire to try and uh, to delay any decisions on it so that we could... Uh, at the time that it came up, we didn't actually have a Shire Council. Mm, yes. uh, we had a commissioner, Commissioner Fletcher, sitting in uh, and... Look, it would have been good to have our own council there to make this sort of decision. That didn't happen. From there we actually decided that we needed the support of other stakeholders and other community groups, conservation groups to help us. So we have joined with the Conservation Council of WA and the Australian Marine Conservation Society. They are our support, Uh, the Environmental Defenders Office is helping us. The importance of having people who are able to direct us and help us with this campaign can't be understated. They're amazing. But we've also connected with community groups, with indigenous groups. It's a wonderful opportunity to bring community together to talk about the future. And so this campaign has shaped from all of that, and we are protecting Galoo, and we'll look to a sustainable future for Exmouth Golf and Exmouth Proper.
1: And what's the latest with the campaign? Certainly I remember when I was coming up here, the word was that clearing had even been mooted to start at the start of this month. How have things progressed at the moment?
0: Yes, so there was a clearing permit granted uh, I think in April and we have appealed that because we wanted to see less land being cleared at such an early stage. We're still waiting on scheme amendments to be assessed. Uh, The scoping process must go ahead. We don't want to stop that but the clearing really needs to be looked at very seriously and so we've appealed that. uh, that means that it has in fact been delayed at this point in time and we get to uh, follow that appeal through with a, a meeting with the appeals convener. from there i i imagine sub c7's final scoping environmental scoping document has been released and it's a very comprehensive document i believe it covers a lot of things i'll be pleased to see sub C7 answer some of the EPA's inquiries and really at this point in time where's the campaign at? Mm. We are we want people to know how beautiful this area is we need the support of West Australians and Australians and internationals to help us to recognise this area as something unique that needs to be conserved. I don't think you can underestimate the power of people um, and that's the bulk of the campaign. We we have some wonderful supporters um, Professor Fiona Stanley Bernard Fanning John Butler, Missy Higgins Ash Grunwald there are heaps of people who are great voices for the environment so it's wonderful to have them on board but in the end, it's the community, it's the people, it's the Australian people, as with Save Ningaloo. Yes. A great campaign that's brought us to where we are now and I believe echoes what we should be doing now as a community to make... Don't just like things on the computer, we actually have to get out, see the place and be active campaigners for them. So,
1: And right now... What form does that need to take?
0: For us, right at this point in time, having people go to our website to sign up to show support, so that's protectningaloo.org.au. Sign up, support us, and stay in touch so that you can find out what's going on with the campaign. We also have a Facebook page Please follow it and and um, share it with your friends. We have a petition currently up there for the clearing permit just to ask that more consideration be given to the amount of land that's cleared for preliminary investigations. But yes, join the fight. And, We're skint. We're volunteers. We operate off the smell of an oily rag, as they say. So donations are really important to us at this stage and volunteers. But, look, join us in any way that you feel you can.
1: Have you been involved in something like this before?
0: No. (laughs) I'm new.
1: (laughs) Probably all the more powerful a message.
0: I don't know. I hope so. I really... It's good for us to feel the support.
1: So, going back through your background, what what has it been largely?
0: My background, I'm general nurse, mum, marine scientist, campaigner.
1: (laughs) Well suited to your current role. (laughs) Very good, Denise. Thanks a lot. Now, Now, you've had a little bit of time to think about what piece of music you'll send us out with. What shall it be?
0: I would pick any of the beautiful tracks of Uh, the deep blue the big blue big blue sorry yeah
1: it's amazing that you've said that as a as a film that has stayed with me since it was released I still watch it annually even though friends who who are new to it say it can't be watched now because it's dated too much oh (laughs) no not true it's it's
0: relevant I love the music on
1: on that amazing so particular track
0: no I would go for any of them I just I adore the whole thing, so, right. yeah, I'll thank quite, you. will pick one for you.
1: No, <laughs> thanks very much for your time and good luck.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your time.
1: That was Denise Fitch, chair of the local Cape Conservation Group that's at the heart of the Protect Ningaloo campaign. For more on the group, the Growing Campaign Alliance, and to lend your support, see the links in our program details and for how we can harness it to regenerate the broader systems and stories we live by, stay tuned to Rescope Radio. My name's Anthony James. Thanks for listening.